0: Welcome to Art More Than Ever, a podcast of the Vermont College of Fine Arts, America Heilman.
1: Float on the surface. Let go your heavy head.
0: You're listening to Carla Kilstead and music from her latest project, Black Inscription. Carla is a composer and a violinist and a singer, a collaborator, a prolific maker of things. She's an accomplished classical violinist. And she's the founding member of the bands Tin Hat, Rabbit Rabbit, Rabbit, Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum, The Book of Knots, Causing a Tiger, Minimo, Fred Frith's Cosa Brava, and Two Foot Yard. A lot of bands. And there's a kind of electric current in everything I've ever heard from Carla Kielstead. Her voice, her violin, her music. It makes the hair stand up on the back of your head. It makes you fall in. I, I Carla lives with her husband and musical collaborator, Matthias Bossi, in the small community of Woods Hole on Cape Cod. Woods Hole is the home of the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution, which is dedicated to ocean research and exploration. And this setting was part of the inspiration for Black Inscription, a multimedia song cycle about the ocean. We'll talk more about that project later in the show. Full disclosure, my recorder was in its final death throes um, right before I interviewed Carla, so there's a little bit of a high-frequency buzzing in the interview. I apologize. Uh, I wasn't aware of the problem. It's not disqualifying. It is also not optimal. But I assure you, the conversation makes up for this problem. We start out by talking about the mysterious nature of making things. Here's a conversation with Carla Kilstead. Welcome. When I am making something, it can feel as though it's about eighty percent of the time is confusion, and then there's twenty percent where there's a feeling of clarity, or like you know what you're doing. Is that what's? How would you describe it, your experience of the kind of mystery of making things?
1: I think calling it confusion might not quite be the right term, though. I think it's more a uh, um, a blurriness, <laughs> like, which is a little different. Like com- maybe confusion is a part of part of it. But I guess for me, um, with different projects, it's, it's different. You know, I wrote a song for the San Francisco Girls Chorus, and I had been tasked with writing a song for a 48 piece girls' high school chorus, which I've never done before. And a large part of the process is spent not doing anything and pret- pretending like you're not doing anything while the back of your brain is kind of like keeping a running log of little ideas or thoughts or, or just or just carving out a space even for the thing to exist in, you know, <laughs> which it's like just clearing the table. Like if you don't clear the table, that's kind of what you have to do first is just carving a space in your brain where this thing is where you're going to start collecting. Um, so that's the first, and sometimes that takes a week and sometimes it takes three months. It kind of depends on what your what your deadline is, I find. <laughs> so um, given that it could happen, it could be a day or it could be three
0: months. Is that a process you have any control over?
1: Oh gosh, it, it, it I think it uh, manifests in different ways. Some of them look a lot like procrastination. Um, <laughs> some of them look a lot like distraction, like just like at the dinner table. Like, st- oh, sorry, I'm here, I'm here, I really am, sorry. <laughs> um, some of them have to happen after, as you're drifting off to sleep, um, but, and some of them look a lot like stress. Like, I'm more, I don't know, what, else, what, 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 what am I doing? What's the topic going to be? How is it going to relate? Do I know? Some of them look a lot like um, casting about for other experts in the field to lead the way google searches google searches okay i'm just gonna listen to 17 different pieces that other people have written and i I always i always think that other people have i have i go through a period of thinking other people have the answer and then i listen to a bunch of things and try to put other answers in that space that i'm carving out and at a certain point i end up just wiping them off the table into a big pile on the floor and letting them crash down and be like okay somewhere in here is the answer and so in this particular moment I was going to go off every year there's a the herring run um, is that, you know the herring return to Cape Cod on their epic herculean journey from the sea from salt water back up 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 back to fresh water where they spawn and then they drift down as young'uns. and then the next year they somehow instinctively literally sniff they actually use smell as part of their the part of their tool set they sniff their way back to the and it's this Six, the circular journey that they just know how to do. And we try to go every year and see the herring, and it's phenomenal. It's, it's, uh, there, the first time I went, you look down at the water and you think there's no fish. But it's, there's so many fish that they just look like water. And you're just seeing the backs of millions of, of fish climbing up these locks. And so that day, I had got taken my kids to see the herring run. And, my mother-in-law af- afterwards said, I'm going to take the kids for a few hours. Why don't you work on the piece? And then she said, and by the way, why doesn't why don't you make it be about the herring run? And it was that moment where I all of a sudden everything, the structure of the chorus, the power of of the group of young girls, that point in their life of feeling the pull between their individuality and their need for community and their need for... You know this kind of social, uh, kind of socialization and and group energy, and this image of the herring and how they act as individuals and and a mass all at the same time, and the sound of the girls and the look of the fish and like all these visceral images totally came together. And I tell you, this is after months of feeling like I had no idea where to start and months of carving out that space and not knowing how to fill it. I wrote the piece in two hours. it's like looking for a constellation it's like it, it's a constellation of imagery impulse um kind of philosophical idea context oh, it's and when the moment you actually look up into the sky and see the a shape actually emerge from these things that have just until then looked like points and when you feel like you can actually draw the line between them and see a picture of a bull or a picture of a you know that's it's like looking for that is the is the most is the most interesting and complicated part of the process. What does
0: God is the wrong word, <laughs> but what does
1: God or what does faith have to do with that?
0: Everything.
1: Like when you said confusion, why I kind of paused on that was that I feel like there. I feel like confusion and faith are totally related. I feel like they are different, they are flip sides of the exact same coin. And it's like people say that hope and despair are flip sides of the same coin in Buddhist Buddhist religion and and thought. Faith and confusion are so related, they are so close as to almost be alternate moments of the same instinct, of the same impulse. So I think one, like getting comfortable with, with kind of embracing confusion is a version of faith and having faith is a version of getting comfortable with con- with confusion and not having answers or you know yeah
0: so a lot of your work is the result of a deep collaboration with other musicians and also maybe primarily with your husband Matthias Bossi what is it like to write music with other people.
1: Yeah. So, okay, without getting too deeply into the politics of our marriage, (laughs) um, Matthias and I are very different. We work differently. We kind of appreciate different parts of the creative process. Um, There are a few songs that we've written in our history where we've truly written them together. Um, and they've, they are some of my favorite songs. Like they've, they've, they're, they've been successful, but, but our tolerance for kind of reworking things our tolerance for just the pace of creativity is our, our sense of the pace of creativity is very different. Um, I, I need to sit and look at the blank page and write things down and push and pull them and draw lines and kind of take a take the slow i'm am slow i'm i'm the tortoise <laughs> he doesn't like to um he 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 if he if it doesn't if he sits down with pen and paper or sits down with the keyboard or and it doesn't come immediately he gets up and leaves now it's still processing somewhere he might come back to it and work on it for another 4 minutes and and kind of push and pull it that way but for him it has to have an ease it ha- and his music is wonderful because of that quality. So, as a musician, one of the most interesting uh things about it is how uh how mercurial your own sense of inner logic has to be. Like for example, some of the songs we write are um full of detail and full of like reworked nuance and you know, and crafting the sound, crafting the recording, crafting the the song itself. We also have a band with our dear friend Shazad Ismaili, who is one of my favorite humans on the planet, and also one of my favorite improvisers. The band is called um, Causing a Tiger, which is, comes from a Borges description of dreaming about tigers, and how they're never quite the same, and they're never quite correct. They always have the wrong head or the wrong... T- <laughs> um, and... Um, So, Causing a Tiger will never rehearse, has never rehearsed. Um, We simply have gigs. We show up, but its intention is not just to be a free-form improvising ensemble. Its intention is to improvise songs and improvise songs that feel very grounded and rigorous in their construction, but do it on the fly. I come in with a notebook full of words. Sometimes I come in with books of poetry that I've been reading and thinking about. Um, Shazad comes in with a, a, maybe a guitar, Matthias has a drum set and maybe a bass harmonica, who knows. And we just start and it's oh, terrifying. <laughs> it's so much fun, but it is tr- I would be lying to say that it's not terrifying every time. Um, that's a different process that right now, the, the songs we're working on in this Ocean Song Cycle, we actually have, we, we rehearse when we're trying to learn how to play them live. We haven't rehearsed as a part of the writing process. We've been recording it as a, in the box in the studio, and we've been sending files together. We have hardly even been in the same room together. So we have not been pushing and pulling ideas together, except for a few, with a few exceptions, with a few, a few moments. Can we talk now about Black Inscription? You wrote this song
0: cycle with Matthias and also with um, your friend and collaborator, Jeremy Flower. Can you talk about how
1: the project was conceived the idea was to write a song cycle about the ocean, to not have it be a documentary, but have it dip into ideas of ecology and kind of bigger, kind of our, our changing relationship to the ocean. And, kind of, and for me, it felt like a, an opportunity to both engage with our own community more in Woods Hole. Um, and it was something that I could really anchor my creative life with um, living where I was living and doing, you know, not as a touring musician, um, for the moment. But to start, I need, you can't just write a song cycle about the ocean. That's like saying, I'm going to write, I'm going to write a book about ideas. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, it's laughably large. You just So I spent some months in that process we were talking about, about clearing space. And, um, one of the things I, I, Came across was actually my mother sent me an article about this woman Natalia Molchanova, who was the world's, arguably the world's best free diver. She was a Russian woman in her mid forties. sorry, mid fifties. I think she was fifty three or fifty four. Um, she held the record for every aspect of free diving from distance. She had gone down a hundred and one meters down to the water with no equipment, but she was teaching off the coast of Spain and during a, a break in teaching, she just did a, an unannounced, unplanned dive of 30 meters, which wasn't a big deal for her. And so there was no one monitoring it. It was just like, I'll be back kind of thing. And she disappeared. So uh, that story is alarming and, uh, for various reasons. And, um, but as I did more research on her, I kind of put there her story on my bulletin board <laughs> and, and looked elsewhere and I kept on calling me and I kept on looking up more and more things and I would find articles and interviews and different things and finally one day I said I wonder if she has her own website and there it was a website of her own that not only and you know it had a page that was her poetry about the spiritual impact and of and and relevance of freediving for her and it was my aha moment that same moment I had in the herring run thing where my mother-in-law said the herring run, I'll take your kids, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, ah, here it is. So that was my aha moment, not to take advantage of some of a tragic situation, but there was something very poetic about the fact that she simply disappeared and that she wrote so articulately about what freediving meant to her and that it was this place where her sense of uh, vanity dissolved and that the point of... Where she knew she had to turn around and come back to what she called the surface fuss That that point was always a little bit of a disappointment. Like, oh, I guess I have to go back now. Um, but there was something in it that felt like a creative invitation for, for our song cycle of like, okay, here's, what if we just simply willfully ignore... The fact that the 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 facts of life and death here, and just imagine this mythologize this moment and imagine that she just kept on swimming, and that she is our tour guide, that she's the one whose eyes we are looking through through this whole song cycle.
0: One of the things that struck me as I was listening to the songs in order is that it all of these songs together, they have a personality or a, a character together. How does something? a song cycle come to become more than the
1: sum of its parts how does it how does that happen um when i remember writing those first two songs i had no idea what the third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and twelfth song was going to sound like or be about even but that structure emerged as we were crafting it as it it's like walking through the forest with your you know with a blindfold <laughs> i'm like okay here's this tree here's this tree i can sense the sunlight coming through here so i know there's a clearing i can hear the water over there so i think there's it's like walking through the forest blind like you use your other senses but they're not necessarily articulable <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like the way that vision is um and when so they're... i think it, in part it kind of takes care of it self and then as you start it starts to emerge then you start to stitch things together for real in a more tangible way like okay we need a connection between this song and this song Um, or we need to hear after we had a bunch of songs i I looked and saw okay there's four chapters of this piece the first chapter is kind of really natalia with a physical point of view this and then um the point at which there's a song about her pull step back to her son and back to her 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 terrestrial life and that after that song is the beginning of the next chapter when she says like I I can't go back I like I love I have deep love for my terrestrial life and for my family but I cannot go back and once she accepts that there's a whole other chapter of like okay now we start to look at the ocean and see it she she becomes more a part of it and you start losing her perspective and you start being able to we I start as a lyricist being able to I uh, move from speaking as her to move to speaking as a coral reef or as the I- idea of circulation and the blood of the of the uh the the water of the earth being like the blood of the of the body and so I start to kind of see things and then so there's there's different moments and chapters that that kind of signify, and at the end, the end we kind of come back to the shore for the last two songs, one is just about. There's kind of a shout chorus, really kind of high energy song. That's kind of a celebration of our myopic approach to using water. The way, like the way it is, just every, we need it for everything. We use it to to bathe, to quench, to um, to, to celebrate, to float, to fl- we use it in all these ways. Not having any idea, not even needing to have any idea of what's going on underneath. But this song comes at the end, so you do have a sense of. All the complicated things that are going on in the ocean. So it's kind of a, you know, looking looking at our our two dimensional myopic use of water from a different perspective. And then sadly, Matthias's father died a few months ago. And as as we were writing this final song, it felt that he he lived right near the ocean, and he every day that he could he went and swam in the water, and his swims weren't particularly. Um, ambitious. You know, he, he had Parkinson's for the last seven or eight years of his life and um, so as he got less stable, his, a swim could just be to, to go and walk back and forth, to float for a while, to you know, it, it, just a communion with the water was a really deeply central part of his life. Now, he wasn't a Natalia Molchanova with this ambition about it. It was just a part of his life. And so the final song is a tribute to his last swim and so it's kind of us on the shore watching this simple but deep communion with the, with the sea. So in a way we kind of start on shore and dive in and come back. So it kind of but all that happened I can't say that I that I was the architect of that. I I kind of just sniff I sniffed my way through it or we sniffed our way through it and it they kind of took care of us, <laughs> so now we have to go back and make all kinds of real connections and design the the piece. So that journey is really clear to everyone who's who. who will does there it be? With
0: us. Will there be? Um, as I was listening, I was reading about each song. There was a there was a writing about each yeah. song. Yeah. Will that be part of the um, performance?
1: Yes. So there's two things we want to come out of of the performance. One, uh, I mean, of the of a program actually. Of, Written material. One, I don't. I I want people to leave with with uh, with something that they can after the fact go and reinvestigate. So I want them to leave with something where they can say, let me now now I'm going to go back and see what was that really angry song about? And like, okay, it was about noise pollution in the ocean, and it was um, and the the kind of crisis that that's causing. Okay, so I don't. We are not setting out to make a documentary. We don't need people to actually take tangible, factual information away. But I want people to be able to go back retroactively and kind of look and see what the songs were about. And I want people to be able to um, actually delve into the underlying issues in a deeper way. So right now we're working on figuring out what... Uh, what kind of um, language we can use to point people to, for example, an organization that's really dealing with coral reef ecology, and uh, which is a huge, huge, and very present problem. Um, so, I, I'd like to, in whatever I can, in way I can, as a, you know, as as an impressionistic artist, I'd like to take this as a com- and make it into a conversation starter.
0: that you make as a musician collapses time somehow or that's what it seems to want to do Uh or it makes um, a still point like here we all are right here right now Mm
1: -hmm. that's so interesting that you articulate it that way in a different context I have that conversation with a lot of my instrumental students because I talk about the for me and I frame it exactly like that Although for a different reason, more for like the technical side of connecting, whether you're, if you're a singer, it's about connecting breath and tone and pitch and, and shape of mouth for a, for an instrumentalist, it's more, you know, about your limbs and connecting your limbs to your intention. But I do believe I feel like in every note, you have the ability to go in and collapse time. And that's exactly what I tell, literally, that's exactly what I tell them. I say, "You, if you're, and even from a really basic technical perspective, if you're shifting from here up here on the violin neck and you're not sure you're going to make it, collapse time. Collapse time and just put yourself, your consciousness, literally pour it into your hand. It will not actually take any more time. It's about Moving your perspective and your consciousness and connecting your body, not just it's so hard to talk about, but that's and that's more from a technical perspective, but i I think about it in those terms all the time,
0: and that's what a performance does is when you when you do that with your voice or with your instrument, um I recognize it I know where I am when when I hear it, I'm suddenly here right now, like that's what it's asking me to do, mm-hmm. and that's a steep climb that's not something that we do much right. of the time, yeah we, you know we're sort of. 10 minutes ago or two hours from now right and so it ins- your your music seems to insist that we
1: get somewhere in the present for for a time right i think that's because that's that's what i need from it right that's what i need from it as a human it's kind of why i still do it is because it for a moment gives me that. Because I don't succeed in, in always doing that in other areas of my life, honestly, right? And But it always reminds me of that. It, like It's the same way that, you know, going back to spirituality, it's like, that's the reason people pray. <laughs> that's the reason for so much of the way that we kind of touch base with what's important and have structures that help us do that.
0: Just forget how to write songs or that you will that you will run out of
1: songs to write. Do you remember the book The Lace Snail? It's such a beautiful children's book from my childhood but it's a beautiful book about a snail who she's just kind of walking around like doing going through her life and you know how snails leave a little trail behind them. One day all of a sudden it's her trail becomes lace and everyone sees it the frogs see it and say hey that's really cool can you make me something and she says why sure and she makes them uh, uh, a little parachute and then someone sees the parachute and is like hey that's cool I want a coat and she makes a coat and then like she goes through the book making things out of her lace that just happens to come out of her and the book ends with her lace just stopping and she, and she's okay with it it's just as easily as it came it went i don't think i'd be so gracious if that happened um i think i'd be i think that would be a real de- devastation for me and I, as a mother i have a uh, a kind of maybe a kind of deeper appreciation for how much of my self is my sense of self is rooted in the process of, of creating, um, because I don't get to do it as much as I used to. But so far, when I, even when I have to tuck it into pockets, little pockets around the day, or uh, I've been able to find a thread and pull it into something. and. I kind of imagine myself like as a ninety whatever year old lady, still with an exacto knife and my collage materials, and uh, you know at least the ability to take a walk on the beach and sing at the top of my lungs into the wind. And I I, I kind of feel like if you put yourself in its path, it, it will it will be there.
0: was Carla Kilstead. Carla is on the Music Composition Faculty at the Vermont College of Fine Arts. For more information about Carla and her work, and for links to some really great articles and interviews about black inscription, visit us at vcfa.edu and you'll find links there. If you like the show, consider making a comment on iTunes. That helps new listeners find the show. Again, this is Art More Than Ever. America Heilman. Thanks for listening.